Hello and welcome to How to Get Unstuck with Helen Thomas, the podcast that explores how and why you might be feeling stuck in your life, career or business and what to do about it. I'm your host, Helen Thomas, a career and business coach who supports professionals and business owners to think differently about what's possible, get unstuck and create a meaningful and successful working life they love. I've been stuck and I realized it's a common experience that can turn up in your life, your career, your relationships, personal growth or many other places often when you least expect it. But I want you to know this, being stuck isn't a permanent condition, it's a feeling and it can be changed. Join me each week as I speak with experts about their experiences with feeling stuck and the practical strategies they recommend to help you break free from uncertainty so you can get unstuck and create your unstoppable momentum. And now for today's episode. Please be advised, today's episode includes references to IVF and infertility. Hello and welcome to this episode of How to Get Unstuck. I'm your host, Helen Thomas. My guest today is one of my oldest friends. We met at university way back in the last century. I was drawn to her because A, she seemed pretty cool and B, because she had a car and she always volunteered to be the designated driver very important friendship credentials at 17. Since then, we've ridden life's roller coaster of highs and lows, navigating our way into adulthood and now into our middle years. Wendy Geets is one of the most intelligent, inquisitive and intrepid people I know. She's been an actuary, a consultant, an organizational and workplace designer, an executive and a CEO. She is passionate about creating stronger communities, workplaces, and individuals. Over her nearly 30-year career, she's worked in insurance, banking, commercial property, urban generation, and not-for-profit organizations supporting youth and women at risk. These days, she's moved to what she calls semi-retirement mode. Of course, this doesn't mean she's slowing down or not working. For Wendy, it means taking on work she enjoys that feels meaningful and to which she knows she'll add value. Wendy says now she's more interested in the impact rather than the status. But as someone who's known Wendy for nearly four decades, I'd say she's always been a bit like this. She's never been interested in conforming to any sort of norm in her life or career. She's always trodden her own path and this is what I've been inspired by and love most about her. And it's worth mentioning, Wendy is a masterful networker. I mean, next level. She literally collects people. I often joke that despite knowing her for as long as I have, I'll still meet someone at her social events that I've never met before, even though they've known her for almost as long as I have. Wendy's experiences of feeling stuck have occurred mostly when she's let other people's priorities and ideas influence her decision-making or when she set herself big, complex, save-the-world-level challenges that become a bit overwhelming. I can't wait for us to dive in and discuss more on all of these things. Wendy Geets, welcome to How to Get Unstuck. Thanks, Helen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just steal all that from my bio. I think. <laughs> That you're, was brilliant. You're welcome. Well, it was from your information and obviously a little bit of my uh, knowledge. So let's dive in. I'd love to start by asking you about your own experience with the concept of stuck 
and what sort of situations you've faced, particularly, I guess, through your career, but let's talk about life a little bit as well, but the sorts of places where you found yourself feeling stuck. Uh, I've, uh, look, I, I reckon I've been stuck lots in my life and, and I was reflecting on this yesterday a little bit more with my niece actually, who's 30 and we were talking about it, but I, I actually think that being stuck is a good thing sometimes because it's a signal to say, oi, you're, you're getting a bit out of kilter with what you, your head and your heart might actually want. So I don't think being stuck actually in the end is probably a bad thing. It's a really great signal. But I've had it many a time. And as you said in the intro, particularly when I was younger, it was because I hadn't even worked out what my path was. I hadn't put the time and effort in really. And because I was just so used to following what other people thought was good for me. So, you know, I needed to grow up a bit when I was younger to to start to take my destiny into my own hands, which I think is a very important thing for people to learn. It's actually really scary because you have to take responsibility, but I think that's a good thing in the end. I think you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what sort of signs or signals do you get or have you got in the past when, you know, when you've found yourself stuck? Well, I think it's from a, a cognitive dissonance where you're going like, what the hell's going on? But also physically, I think your body manifests it as well by not feeling well and not kind of having things too. So I think you've got to really watch for your body. But, you know, being stuck for me is is kind of when I'm constantly questioning, like, what what am I doing here and am I actually adding value and what do I actually want? And, and also sometimes the other signals I've got is when other people say things to me and I go, oh, that's, that's not right or that's crazy, like, and that we're not on the same page. And I think, hold on. What's going on here? Like there's something that's awry. But for me, that sort of sense of I've just, I get, I kind of feel that recognition of like I'm just treading in the same place or um, I'm not getting to where I want to be going. Yeah, those sorts of things. Is that sense of this all seems really hard. Other people aren't saying I'm not getting the pathways opening up. What's going on? I think that's, that's the signals for me about, you know, I haven't really done the work yet or something's gone awry. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so then in recognizing that about yourself, what do you now use? What kind of, what are your go-to tools for when you recognize that this is happening to kind of move forward? I think, you know, you've seen me do this many, many times and you said I kind of tread my own path. I actually step out of situations if I need to. I'm really lucky though that I have, and this is something that has been a very big part of my life is that I create economic stability so that I can step away for short periods or long periods of time if I need to, to really give you that headspace. But that's an extreme action. Yeah. A little actions would be things like really just stepping back and thinking about, well, who am I? What floats my boat? What is it? What, what do I really hate doing as well? <laughs> I really love the kind of exercises in going. What, what really gives me that really aha, yum, yum moment and what makes me go, oh, please no, you know. And But really properly writing that down, doing the work to write that down and finding the right words, not words that other people use, finding your words and doing that work to kind of make sure that that actually resonates with you. It doesn't matter if they're really naff. It really doesn't matter. It's whatever actually resonates with you and makes you go, yeah, that makes sense for me. 
The other bit that I've done too, which is really important, is I've not, I've stopped waiting for other people to rescue me or come and give me help. I've made my own plans. And, And as an example, when I changed careers from the finance industry into the design industry, I went and did a course in design at Melbourne University, a postgraduate. But I had to actually say to myself, when I go to this course, I'm not just here to learn, I'm here to network. Now, you said I'm a networker, but I'm a really natural networker and I just let it happen. But I gave myself goals that said, you know, every time you have a guest speaker, you will go and speak to them, you will create networks and you will do this. And I really made myself every time we had these, because they were in condensed kind of versions, like one week of courses and nothing for, for three months. So I made sure that all these amazing guest speakers that were in this new industry I wanted to be in, they knew who I was, we'd have conversations, and guess what? I got a job out of it. Yeah. But if I'd just done my natural, oh, they'll like me, it'll be all right, someone will recognise my brilliance, you know, that was rubbish. That, that, that's something that I learned at school and it was, it's a rubbish thing for when you're kind of doing the rest of your career. It was much more I had to give myself a bit of a G up to go, no, you have to do the work. You yeah. have to really go and do the work. And I love that example because, you know, certainly in my work, this is what I hear from people a lot is that, you know, they want to do a career transition or a career change or they want something to happen and the thing that they go and do is more study. And really more study gives you theory, but it doesn't give you that real, really valuable thing that you recognize you needed, which were the connections or um, the experience, right? So it's kind of one or the other and sometimes both, but probably it starts with the connections to get the experience. And in fact, I was having that exact conversation with a couple of people the other day is that we're not very good about, about that. Like the traditional kind of tools are... I'll just work really, really hard. I'll get recognized for what I do. Or even in the study sense, I'll study hard. I'll get top grades and then it'll all fall into place. But it doesn't necessarily do that. And it's interesting, isn't it, how that's kind of the traditional thing that we're all taught early. It takes quite a bit of recognition around that point to to make that change. I think it's really interesting because I think also that people, well, I believe that people who did really well at school, suffer from this more because it was a successful strategy for them. But I actually remember learning this in year 12 at school when someone that I thought was, you know, that I should get just as, you know, more opportunities or whatever because I was a really good student, started getting more opportunities than me at school. And I was like, how is Richard doing this? What's going on? And I, it was my first real experience of Richard went out and hustled. Like he went and talked to teachers and talked to people and did the, you know, did stuff. He's, you know, he came from a politician background. His parents were always related to and, and he always kind of had this. And I was like, man, he's using those skills. He wasn't just relying on being good and having marks. And so I think the people that probably take the longest to learn it are those who, who used it as a successful strategy when they were, when they were younger. But yeah, it was, it's one of those things that I think you need to, we had, when I used to work at Lendlease and we had this crazy, amazing American woman who'd come and run our big people-based programs. And, and one of her biggest statements was nobody's coming and nobody cares. 
and a whole bunch of high achievers. It's like, how dare you say that? You know, everyone's always there for me. What are you saying? You know, but it was a really great statement because it was this like, get off your little pedestal and start working because it's your life and you need to work on it. And, you know, I think I still held on to vestiges of that right until my early 30s and I was really always wondering why isn't this happening and why haven't I got this? And and I had amazing experiences and stuff still, but I was never satisfied and never doing this. And it wasn't till I kind of gave that notion away that somebody's going to suction cap me through my life that I started to actually be more satisfied, do some amazing things and, you know, really be successful in my career. So, yeah, that that, that was a really big deal for me to sort of let that go, let yeah. that notion go and do the work, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, how fortunate that you learnt that lesson early because it does, I think, it. and as you say, for people who are hard workers and high achievers, it can come as a really massive shock that first time that you realise that, hey, my hard work is not what's going to continue to get me to where I want to go. And I think, you know, it's that thing I talk a bit about it sometimes too. It's about making a choice and being proactive about what you're going to do next as opposed to just letting it happen by chance. Because I think that's the, that's the thing that it's worth knowing. You can do all of that hard work, but when you're waiting for somebody else, you've essentially abdicated all that responsibility for you to somebody else to come along. Well, I think you, I think you've also limited your options. To be honest, yeah. So take take dating, right? So take the take on the dating. If you just wait for somebody, if you're on online dating, and and what your approach is is to wait for someone to contact you, well, then you've actually just limited the pool severely. And I kind of look at that in the work sense too, like why would you do that? So yeah. it was that recognition too that it was my responsibility. And it was a recognition of the thing we talked about earlier that I was kind of stuck because I was living someone else's life, what yeah. other people thought I should be doing. And as you said, I trained as an actuary and I then started working and I learned really quickly, like, why did I do this? This is crazy. This is not me. It's not very people-based. You know, it doesn't have that kind of thinking. And so as much as I, I kind of love it and really genuinely value the skills I learned from it, it wasn't what I wanted to do eventually. Now, if I if I just listened to everybody else, I would still be an actuary today, not fulfilled in that kind of way because that's what everyone said, oh, you've got the skills, you're qualified, that's what you should do. But it's not where what gave me a buzz and it's not what, you know, would make me be proud of what I'm doing and push myself, which I like to do, push my intellect and push what I can achieve. So, you know, I think it, it's, it's the thing, if you do that, Helen, you are leaving your life in someone else's hands. When you stop and really think about it, you go, why would I do that? It's crazy. If you really kind of thought about it, you go, why am I, I'm going to be good and hope someone recognizes me. Like, why? Why are you going to do that? Yeah. Why? And also, why are you bothered about these people recognizing you? There's a ton of other people you don't know yet that might be able to give you some great opportunities. Yeah, So exactly. And certainly people recognizing you generally is more about them than it is about you. So they're looking to make themselves look good by bringing the right people or whatever. So, you know, again, they're not, it might seem like they are, but they're not really thinking about you. They're thinking about them. So I don't think that means you should be really uh, like, oh, well, I don't care about anyone. As you said earlier, I've got great networks and most of my jobs that I've got are from my network, but it's also from challenging my network. So, and kind of having that and having a broad sense of that. Yeah. 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 Can I just quickly touch on, so 
When you did that transition from being an actuary, was it, were you still in your 20s when that happened? No, I was in my 30s. Okay. Yeah, and so sort I was of, in my 30s. How did you make that change? How did that happen? One, I'd had some, I was lucky enough to have some experience, a little bit of a kind of taste and smell and experiment with the design world and workplace world. So I was kind of lucky to have that. But, but what I did is I kind of, I actually did a few things. One, I looked at who were the better companies out there that do this because it was a kind of rare thing to do. But I looked at that, I looked at people I knew and I went and interviewed them and talked to them. And what that did also was that actually said to people, oh, she kind of wants to do this. And I've learned, so this has happened so many times, I've seeded an idea in someone's head and they won't have a job for me now. But let me tell you, in about two to three months, their little background processing is going on and they're helping you out and they'll suddenly go, hey, yeah, I know somebody wants to do this. I know somebody's really could do this and do that. And then I did actually go to study. Now, I did that to give me, because I was doing a complete change, I did that to give me the gravitas that I needed potentially. But as I said, I didn't just do the study part. That was probably 20% of what I was doing and 80% was the networking piece of yeah. the lecturers and the guest speakers and going and working all of that out. And I used the study as an experiment too, so I experimented, Helen, is what I did. I did try to do little experiments of talking to people and doing things and doing all these little things to try and test myself about, well, you think you want to do this. Do you really want to do this? Do you know even what it's like? And did these really simple, safe experiments and, you know, just kept building them up, building them up and going, yeah, it is. I do love it. Yeah, I do love design. Yeah, I do like looking at this. Yep, yep, no, absolutely. I do like that. And then, you know, then I just kept meeting and having networking, finding places that those people hung out, like at property council or at different events. And then I was able to kind of go, right, I'm now building that network and that's where that job came from. And then I just got a job. I My salary halved. I took that risk. I was like, but this is what I really want to do. And then, but I know uh, that then if you because I had so much background experience, I could build really quickly because I already had experience. Yeah. I wasn't starting uh, as someone who who was just, you know, yeah, out, out from uni and had no business experience. I had tons of business experience. Yeah, I did lots of experiments is yeah. what I'd say to people. And experimenting yeah. is such a great way to tell. And I think that's the other thing is that often when people are thinking about a change in their career, but obviously in life as well, it's just it, it's often people think it's this kind of all or nothing. And yeah. And suddenly getting from where you are today to this other place just feels so insurmountable. That's what kind of, I think, gets you stuck is because you're like, I can't, I don't even know how to get to that other side. But taking some small steps and a series of experiments to test whether or not this is an idea that might work, because there's nothing worse, right? Imagine if you just dived straight into the degree and got halfway through and decided it wasn't for you. So you knew by the time you enrolled in that course, you knew it was the path you want to follow because you'd done those experiments. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I also so, was happy with having done just a couple courses. If I did a couple courses and didn't even qualify, that was okay too. Yeah. So, so yeah. I actually set really different goals than I'm going to get yeah. this postgraduate degree. So yeah, yeah, that wasn't the aim. Yeah, exactly. So you described yourself in the questionnaire <laughs> as a polymath. I guess mm. I like to think of this as multi-passionate and traditional workplaces and certainly in the years that we were coming up through the early years of our career, 
haven't always been very accommodating of individuals who have this kind of wide range of interests rather than a desire to just follow a traditional sort of straight up the corporate ladder promotional path. Do you feel like this is changing at all? Yeah, I do think it's changing and 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 I kind of feel like that because of recently being able to implement this in a big organisation and have discussions around it and I can't tell you. So, so I talked about there are four different career types. There's probably 20, but, you know, if you simplify it. But, you know, there are four different ways you can have a career and blah, 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 blah. And when I used to talk through them and say to people, like, it's not necessarily just a ladder, there's this, you can do this, you can do this, people were just relieved. And people would just, and even managers that I'd talk to would go, thank you for now giving me a tool to talk to my people. Because the big thing is also I used to say to managers, you got to talk to these people differently because if you say to people, oh, look, here's the next thing and it's about status and they're not a status person, like me, I used to go, I don't care. Like, who cares? And it's like, you're not talking my language, you know. So I think it is changing. I think it is changing as you see more people move across things. That's become more acceptable. It wasn't acceptable when you and I were younger. I know I got a lot of feedback saying I needed to decide on something and what was wrong with me and all that sort of stuff. What I ended up doing, though, is I still think you need to have your story. So you need to nail down what it is that you do like doing. And for me, it's it's I've worked out that I like to continuously learn, but I also like to contribute. And so those two things have to be present in anything that I do. So for that to kind of, if they're not there, I'm not going to be long-term happy in what I'm doing. That's really important is to find out what your little story is. I also ended up finding out that my story was about making things better. Like I'm a, I love redoing processes. I like making new workplaces. I like rethinking how things work. I like thinking of ideas. I'm all about how do you make things better? So I can be brought in as somebody who needs to fix something really quickly, which I've done before, or kind of generate ideas. So that's my weapon. That's what I do. And then that I was able to frame a story around that. And that's what got me really unstuck. I was really stuck. If we're going to talk about being stuck, I was really stuck in the language of everybody else. And I was hoping that everybody else could, well, I kind of worked out that I was expecting everyone else to do the interpret, interpretation for me. Yeah. That I could just say these wild and weird things and people would go, oh, yeah, I understand her. I remember the epiphany. I absolutely remember the epiphany when I went, I need to tell my own story and I need to actually interpret for other people my career and my life. I can't expect them to do that for me. Yeah. It's not It's not fair. And it also, so I need to do that work and interpret. So I was like, no, no, actually my career makes sense. If you look at all my career, even though it looks like all these different roles, there's a line through them which says it's all about making things better. It's all about doing the thinking about systems thinking. Can you see the line? And they go, oh, yeah, I can see the line, right? Yeah. So yeah. so what got me unstuck, I was really stuck in that kind of mode. I remember late 20s, early 30s, stuck in other people's language, stuck in yeah. waiting for people to interpret my amazing life, you know. Yeah. But, but actually the epiphany was it's not their job, it's mine. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I guess probably what you would might have been hearing at that point was, oh, well, you've done all these different things, you know, they don't look very you know, integrated or like they come together. And as you say, it's then you have to point out where the that through the line piece is. 
The other thing I say to people too is it's important that you're able to point out the value that you bring and why you might be a bit different to everybody else. I also notice, and I think possibly it's a traditional thing as well, that there's this kind of desire for to look like everybody else. And that's Mm. often, I think, what drives people to that study piece as well. It's like, I'm going to go and do study because then I'll have the same degree as everybody else that's going for this type of job. And, you know, and I'm not saying that you never have to do another piece of study in your life, but I'm just saying that it could be that you already have a lot of business experience. You have the experience you need. And I think your recognition of that, you know, is so valuable that you, you knew that you came as a valuable asset because you had a lot of experience. It might not have been a very traditional picture. Yeah. The other thing I knew that I carried was sometimes not experience, but I knew that I was a fast learner and I also knew that I had this collective attitude, which means that I was always working, really tried to solve problems for, for the collective, for the system, for everything. And I even had people say that to me when I'd come in as a consultant and they're like, you're not like the other consultants. You're working for us. I was like, of course I'm working for you. That's what I'm here for. And I found that bizarre, mm. but they said that that was really unusual. And so I knew I brought that to the table. I knew I brought that kind of like, well, I can come in and I can sit quietly and I can work through this really quickly and I will learn really quickly. The other bit was that I also learned that because of my skill set, I could stop and listen to everybody and try to put the picture together. And I so valued people's amazing insights into their own work and their own jobs and their own things. So that bit, the recognition of those skill sets, then was what formulated for me my toolkit. I I guess how I thought about it was I knew that I came with a toolkit and then I was constantly building the content and of the toolkit. But I also recognized that I came with a toolkit and that was the thing that was consistent for me. That was the thing that carried me through all these weird and wonderful jobs. So what tips would you give a leader who may have those, you know, individuals who are a bit like you in terms of having that intense level of desire to learn and curiosity and potentially innovation and creativity, but not necessarily that kind of promotion sort of does you know that sort of desire to do that things that way what what sort of things would you recommend one I'd say they do what recognition so this status and you know giving them a new promotion stuff it's not that they don't want that and and those things so just be careful about that too but 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 what I would say is to talk to them about just ask them hey what motivates you just ask open questions instead of presuming I think with all these people Mm. just ask like what motivates you like what what floats your boat? Tell me things in the last six to 12 months, anything from small to big that you've gone, wow, I love that. Even if it was like, oh my God, I loved reorganizing our files. I don't care. Who cares? It might be a mundane to you, but it might be just the joy of their life. So I think it's about finding those things and then asking the question like, what's the stuff you've really hated? I think just ask people those questions and then get them to say, all right, if you could do you know, what would you like to do? Because there's here are some opportunities that we can have. You could do some extra project work. You could do this. You could do that. Be real about it. The other thing I would say is for people like me, give them whole tasks. Give them whole, not just, sorry, not just tasks. Give them whole things to do so that they can learn through it. They can grow through it. They can build their toolkit. If you just give people like me tasks to do, boredom sets in because I don't own it. I want to own it. I want to learn it. I want to 
you know, experience it. It's not necessarily I want to do it by myself. I'll go and in the ownership, I'll go and talk to various people and do those things. But I need to own it. Don't just give me lots of little tasks to do. Then I can't, I can't find my boundaries. I can't find those things. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I want to learn. So you've got to give me the whole thing to do, yeah. even if I fail a bit. Yeah. And so I think it is, it's that important thing, isn't it, of understanding who you have in your team and kind of, as you say, what motivates them, what's important to them, what they value. I think that's a really key thing. One of the key stories I had, Helen, when I was younger was this guy at work who, and this stayed with me because there was all this stuff about career and what do you want to do and what do you want to be. And I remember him telling the story about, actually, I'm I'm in the customer service team. I like being in the customer service team because where I play big is outside of work. I am the head of the country fire with my CFA thing and um, that's where I'm a leader and that's where I do things. I want work to be really easy, very comfortable. I come here, I do my job, I get a salary and I really loved that. I loved that this person taught me about can you take each individual and ask them what they want? Don't presume anything. Yeah. So he was this very smart individual but he didn't want his career highlights to be in his in this job. He wanted his career highlights to be in something he did for free. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love that story. Such a good story. Ready to finally stop talking about fixing your career and actually start doing it? If you're a corporate professional, freelancer or business owner feeling trapped or bored in your work and stuck figuring out what to do about it, you need the Fix Your Career Quiz. This two-minute quiz shows you exactly where to start and the first steps you can take to create the career you really want. Head to fixyourcareer.com.au to uncover what's keeping you stuck and the steps you can take to kickstart your progress. Let's change track a little bit because there is something else that I wanted to talk to you about in that you, like me, uh, we have not had our own children, although these days you are a step-parent to your lovely partner's teenage son. (laughs) And I think the family thing and around having children, not having children, not being able to have children, whatever, is a really common place where women in particular, I think, get stuck in life. I know it certainly did happen for me. Can you tell us a little bit about that time in your life and kind of how you navigated your way through? Yeah, mine was quite dramatic in some ways in that trying to, you know, I wanted to have kids, didn't want them early, so so started in probably my late 30s to try and have, or later, mid to late 30s to try and have kids. And then, you know, some things, unfortunate, a series of unfortunate events happened um, with my my husband at the time not being able, was basically infertile and we did a whole bunch of IVF and my marriage then breaking down and a whole bunch of things. And then my doctor going, you have to go now if you want to have kids, you're running out of eggs. So there was so much pressure on this thing, but this sort of sense of you have to have kids, you have to have kids and, and, and all it needs to be now and this pressure of now. And having it being a dream from when I was young, I was always great with kids. I was played with all the kids in the neighbourhood. Kids was something definitely and children was something definitely in my, you know, what I wanted to be and do and have in, in my life. So getting to this really stressful point and kind of going, I can do IVF again, I can do IVF again, I can do it again and I can try and I can do all these things. I, I kind of had a revelation that actually the thinking about the kids and holding on to that dream 
was the thing that was making me stuck. So the opposite of what some people may actually think that I was stuck because I wasn't having that, but I was stuck because I was in the vortex of waiting for this thing to happen that was never happening and etc. And how I got unstuck from that was, well, one, I had a quite dramatic events where I tried again and the person I was going to get again was infertile. It was just seriously like a series of unfortunate events. It was like, what else could happen? And I remember going, okay, what else can happen? One, I knew how I got unstuck was really stepping back and reflecting on what was happening and how it was impacting my life and going, so one was kind of going, this thing is never making me move forward. I am stuck here in this, in this weird world of trying to have a child and it's really difficult. Two, I had the kind of thought about, I've actually given this a good crack. I've tried. I've tried a lot and it just hasn't worked out. So I know I'm not going to die wondering. I have actually tried and I've spent a bit of money trying to try too. And then three, I was like, so what would a life be like without children? And really thinking about that, really thinking about well, what would that be? What can you do? You know, how can that act? What can that look like? And then in crafting that, you kind of go, actually, life without kids, you've got more money. <laughs> you've got more. So kind of crafting these things of, actually, you don't, you're not spending life on doing this. I can do what I like. I can travel. I can do. And these weren't just to supplement, oh, I really want to have kids. It was just this sense of, actually, I can create an amazing life without kids. Kids doesn't define me having an amazing life. And I think that's where a lot of people probably get stuck that, the kids thing has been what they think their next purpose is going to be. We all had that. But for me, I then defined like, well, that's over and I need to define another purpose. I can still have an extraordinary life without children. Without and that's your own the kind children. Of thing, without my own children, right? Yeah, because yeah. and, and, you've got a lot be... of other children around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, 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 or you can think about it in other ways, like, do you want to become a teacher? Do you want to do this? If it's about having children and seeing them grow and do things, can you move that energy to another place, not in having your own kids? Do you want to foster kids? Do you want the tons of ways? And that's, I think, what went through my head. There's tons of ways to do that. I was even, I was, I went through the process of helping families that had respite, needed respite because their kids they had, you know, a lot going on in their lives and the parents needed some respite, so the kids needed looking after for a weekend. All of those things, there's tons of stuff you can do, the uncle and aunts programs. There's lots of different ways you can do this. But I think it's that disconnecting from that sense of it has to be my own. There's lots of ways you can contribute, lots of ways you can get that feeling. But it's also about kind of really realising you can still have a marvellous life yeah. Um, when you don't have your own kids. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I but I, yeah, I remember that sense of like, I, I, I totally remember that sense of going, I've given it a good crack. I'm not going to die wondering on with life. Yeah. You know. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's an important message for other people to hear and it works differently for all people. I think in my own journey, I think I just, it was that thing about, oh, is this my expectation or is this an expectation that society and other people are putting on me? So it's, it's interesting about how you kind of work through that. And often when you're in the midst of it, because it, I'm sure we had a lot of conversations about it when we were both kind of in that space, 
it, you know, it can feel like an all-consuming, overwhelming situation, but actually, you know, there is a way through. And, you know, I often talk about stuck is a feeling. It's not a fact and it's not a permanent situation. So it's definitely something you can work through. Thank you so much for your That's candor right. and sharing I think children, it. I think for children too, Helen, for children, the wanting children is to getting it to the point of you realising it's a choice. Yeah. In fact, like you're saying, yeah, uh, I think that's super, super important. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I grieved. I cried for an entire week when I realized my second series of unfortunate events happened. I cried for an entire week. Go through all of that. That's totally okay. That's And, and have those emotions. Let them happen. I think that's really important too in getting unstuck is let yourself be in those sad you know, grieving places as negative emotion places. Don't deny those emotions. Yeah. I think that's where we get stuck a lot is when we deny the emotions we're actually feeling because because of the fallacy that you're meant to be happy all the time and you're meant to be this and you're meant to be that. I think that gets us really stuck sometimes too. Yeah. Although you can be, you know, this is the thing. You can be a happy person, you can be a positive person, but bad shit can still happen sometimes so um, you know that is that is the truth and it's often in those moments as you say where you know you're letting yourself kind of go through the the process and through the grief that often other things reveal themselves and you realize that actually there is this pathway forward so before I let you go I'd love you to share one practical tip step or action that you'd give someone if they said to you today that they're feeling stuck, whether it's in their life generally or in their work? I think I'd go back to what we were saying earlier is find some really easy, safe experiments. It's simple and they can be tiny. Just find your little experiments that will help you test your thinking and also test what you think is a risk because I think lots of people don't do lots of things because they think it's really risky, but actually to test a, a real risk tolerance, like what what really is risky, what's the worst that can happen. So what if you go and over to another team and then you realise you don't like it? You're probably your old team would be happy to have you back. So I think your risks are much less. So it's doing those little experiments and really testing what you think are risks out so that you can get proper data not the mythology that's going on in your head. The experiments are about getting real data. If you want to be a scientist about it, if you want to be an engineer about it, it's about going and getting real data rather than the story that you're telling in your head. So that's what I would say. Go go and get real data, go and experiment. Yeah. And that's the thing because, you know, like so often, you know, you haven't tried anything and that's actually what's keeping you stuck because those first little steps and trying something, I often call them, sort of low risk experiments. So try and do something that that isn't going to blow up the world (laughs) if it doesn't work out. That's lovely. I love that. So if you'd like to learn more about Wendy or become part of her network, connect with or follow her on LinkedIn. I'll include a link in our show notes today. Wendy, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your story with us today. I love you heaps and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Helen. Love you too. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Get Unstuck with Helen Thomas. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you break free from whatever might be holding you back from creating a life you love. 
If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and share with friends who might need a boost. Your support means the world to me. You can find out more about me at my website, helenthomas.com.au or connect with me on LinkedIn at Helen L. Thomas or on Instagram at helenthomasau. Remember, feeling stuck is a feeling, not a fact. And the journey to getting unstuck is a shared one. Together, we can create unstoppable momentum. Until next week, keep dreaming big, thinking differently and moving forward.